Hello and welcome back to another episode of Daffy's Roundtable. Our guest for this week is both a rock star and an OG reptile keeper. He has been keeping and breeding reptiles for over 30 years and is responsible for bringing a bunch of different species into Canada. And of course, breeding and spreading the reptile hobby for everyone to enjoy. I'm talking about Darren Boyd of the Reptile Rainforest. Join me as I hear some crazy stories from the past about being one of the only people in the area with a reptile room and about his time working at zoos in Florida. We then also discuss the changes in the hobby over time and what some of Darren's concerns are with the hobby moving forward. We also talk about what Darren is currently doing with his collection, both breeding-wise and what species he's working with, and we talk about education shows and why they are also an important part of the reptile hobby. Before we get into all of that, though, allow me to thank Exoterra for sponsoring this podcast and making this episode possible. Exoterra makes quality products for our pet reptiles to make them feel at home. Okay, without further ado, everyone, please help me welcome Darren Boyd of Reptile Rainforest. Darren, hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm super excited to do this episode. Um, we've chatted a bunch at expos, but over the yeah. past couple of days, we chatted more and I've been, you know, I checked out your website and yeah, I, I was just like, I was just telling you, you've done so much more than I even realized you've done in, in your experience in this hobby. So, so um, today we have a hobby OG <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's, let's just, let's just dive right into it. Um, give us maybe like a quick summary of the Darren story. How did you get into reptiles in the first place? Oh, wow. Okay, uh, quick story. Um, uh, and, you know, when I was, uh, I think I was about seven years old, and I'll, I'll make this quick because I don't want to be like. No, to take your time. <laughs> take your time. But, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it two things happened to me that changed my life, kind of almost simultaneously. One was I got my first kiss in Alice Cooper records <laughs> that sent me on <laughs> nice. this path, and then there's Alice Cooper with a snake, right? And then, um. I was living in Quebec in this small town, uh, back road, you know, just a typical, you know, small town road. And here's the, what really, I've loved animals my whole life, but this was an experience, even at that age that stuck with me, was my brother is five years older than me and his friend found a garter snake on the lawn. So they pick it up and they're playing with it. And here's this lady, uh, coming down the street with a, a stroller with a, a baby in it. And she saw the snake and just like the reactions were so different. Like we were excited about the snake and she started sobbing, abandoned the baby. That's like Freaking the end out. of it. Right. Yeah. And even at seven years old, I kind of went, it's, it's an animal. Right. And then it's not hurting us. So why is she so scared? So, um, and that's not a judgment. It's just my mind going, what's going on here? And so for years, I was fascinated by them the rest of my life and wanted to provide a voice for those animals when they needed it. And that's kind of what got me into it and just sort of educating people. To bring that all around, though, um, I have been afraid, like deathly afraid of spiders my entire life. So I kind of get, <laughs> now I understand her reaction, like just a tiny little spider, my heart races, my skin crawls. I find them fascinating, but yeah. Have you been able to break that or not yet? You know what? I've tried. Um, I've worked with spiders. Um, when I was in Florida, I spent, see, I was the guy afraid of spiders. So they made me get rid of the black widows that were on the zoo property, like go around and 
<laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So what I used to do is I would uh, scoop them up and put them in a little container and I would bring them to Crutchfields or somewhere like that. And I'd sell them for, he'd give me like seven bucks a piece for them, which at that time, minimum wage wasn't even $4 an hour. So I was like, uh, bonus for me <laughs> selling these Black Widows. Um, that they were just yeah. getting rid of anyway. Yeah, they were just like, what was going to happen? I was going to go put them out in the field. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go and sell them and make some money. Um, but to be honest, though, they they were pretty easy to manipulate, to work with, just to shoe into a container. They, were, they weren't aggressive or fast or anything. And um, So it's nothing to do with my personal safety. It's just seeing a spider. There's this repulsion that I have. And, and yeah. I know I'm not the only snake person like that. There's other reptile people that are afraid of spiders. And centipedes and whatnot so a lot more i i was surprised a lot more than than i was expecting uh, many of the reptile keepers that i hang out with are actually also terrified of um, um spiders and tarantulas yeah. that kind of stuff i but, think but i, I think... love scorpions do, oh, do you I, okay yeah, yeah yeah no problem there so it's <laughs> not the it's not the eight-legged bug thing <laughs> no not exactly no and in fact um my uh basement is all reptiles like set up for my business um wasn't always that way there's a long history of what my business has been and where it's been but um that's where it is right now and um i get the daddy long legs all over the place in the basement and i just they don't bother me for what as long as they don't take me by surprise they can just hang out and hang out do their thing yeah yeah it's funny i i, I sometimes see someone in in my reptile room and i'm like you can stay there and eat any escape crickets <laughs> uh, yeah, and then okay. the spiders get bigger right they're eating just... it, it, it definitely happens it definitely happens I, yeah. i've seen i've seen some some monster-sized uh spiders down there uh but okay awesome so so that was how you got into reptiles when did you start working with them and what sort of what was that process like well the funny thing is i, I mean always even when i was a kid i was out herping i didn't there wasn't wasn't a word for it at least i didn't know but my entire life i'd be out catching frogs and tadpoles yeah. and whatever um and then i dragged them home turtles whatever i could and my parents would tolerate it for a day or so and say okay go let it go right yeah. <laughs> which was the right thing to do right for sure um but i'm glad i had that hands-on experience uh, not so much as a keeper, just as a, an enrichment of my own life, right? <laughs> to experience nature like that. And um, but yeah, so I, I uh, spent a lot of my life focusing more on music and touring and stuff like that. But somewhere, I think in my late teens, I started to actually get like exotic reptiles and keep them. And so it's been going on for a while. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then so first you were just a regular hobbyist or I guess you were. Yeah. So so maybe maybe let's touch on that really quickly. You said you were touring and 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 um and, and doing all that music stuff. Is that was that sort of your career at the time where you um I know you yeah. still I, I think I think you, you still maybe write music for for other people and, and, and often play in other bands as well. Is, yeah. Is yeah. I've been doing my own thing. Um, so again, not to go on a lot this could take forever with some of these stories but um, no problem <laughs> i've been doing that i was somewhere it was um 2019 or sorry 2015 i was in a car accident and that i was in five bands at that time you know just really busy uh, plus the bit the business right so i was just I, I would double sort of 
do double duty. So I would do a fair, for example, or a campground, and I would do a reptile show and a band show the same. That's <laughs> or, awesome. Or do one and then travel to the next. And that. so um, somebody ran a red light into me, and it messed up my life for about three years almost. Wow. Um, so as a result, all of the music stuff kind of changed direction. Um, so I started doing my own uh, solo stuff and because I could, I could just stay at home and work on it. And it's taken on a whole different life and somewhere became a legitimate project. And um, yeah, a bunch of award nominations and stuff. I just got back from Nashville. Um, so yeah, it's, it's still going very much, but, um, awesome. now I'm a, a mild mannered librarian by day, which is like, it, it's, uh, that is the dream job really. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And you yeah. get to read reptile books all day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> best thing, honestly, we get a lot of kids reptile books, which of course I have no influence on whatsoever, but we get all these kids reptile books and they're just so great like so many of them and i often read them to remind myself when i'm doing like reptile shows which is something i've been doing for about 30 years so that's part of it's 50 percent of my business is education so i'll travel around to you know summer camps and all that stuff and uh i was just doing one yesterday and and i often will read these kids books uh because the facts are really simple and they're what people want to know right yeah not the language is yeah, more and, accessible. Yeah, and of course. And I find myself as a hobbyist, kind of, you know, why am I talking about morphs or you know, like kids don't care about selective breeding? They don't. They don't understand know. the stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, right. And so I have to. It's two different things, and I find um, you can overlap them a little bit, but generally speaking, the the general public who are at these shows of all ages don't want to know the deep details of the stuff that we would talk about For they sure. want to know how big it gets how long it lives you know is it dangerous like what, what does, does it, it eat? eat yeah all that yeah. stuff and and rightfully so that's what they want to know so that's what you have to give them and, For and sure. so sometimes you, you books, yeah and those books kind of bring me back to that reality like oh yeah that's a neat fact i hadn't thought about so yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. that's that's awesome and so okay so <clears throat> now now that we've discussed all that <laughs> Maybe we'll quickly jump to the pr the progression of 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 your your work in the hobby. So when did you? I you said you said you you lived in Quebec. When did you make the move to Florida and start working oh. there? Okay, so the Quebec was only I think it was five years, but we left right around the time I was seven. We moved to Toronto, okay. and we only there for I don't know less than two years, and then moved to where I live now, which is Kempville, south of Ottawa. And so I've been here for forever. And I moved to Florida to go to zoo school. Um, that's why I moved there. And then I came back and opened my business. That was like 95. So yeah, that's like, <laughs> so how did I get this old? How did this happen? <laughs> when, you, when you have this much fun, time flies, right? You're, you're mm. making music on one side, you're playing with reptiles on the other. I can't, I can't imagine a better life, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah you're right. And sometimes, you, you know, um, it's easy to uh, kind of gripe and grumble about things, and and because it's not it's not always easy. Things don't always go your way. But then I have to remind myself that I I wouldn't trade most of these experiences for anything, right? It's, this is what I've chosen to do, and 
Absolutely. If, if I even chose it, like there's a great it chose quote. You. Yeah. And I, I think uh, being, um, you know, a, a herp keeper or in that business, whether it's a business or a hobby is very similar to being a musician in the sense that um, I, I, there's a quote, I wish I knew who said it. Um, if you want to be a musician, don't do it because it's the worst life. If you have to be a musician, then do it because it's the best life. And it's kind of like that for someone into, you know, reptiles too. It's, it's like, it, it's a need. It, you yeah, have it's, it's, yeah, yeah. There have been times where I'm like, oh, you know, life would be simpler <laughs> if I didn't do all this stuff. And then it's like, yeah, but then what, you know, what would I do? Absolutely. What would I do? I'd find something else equally is idiotic to film <laughs> and, and and time consuming exactly yeah, yeah. Was, a lot of times it's like what would i be doing if i wasn't feeding reptiles all the time or cleaning cages yeah, it's like eating cats is what i'd be I'm already <laughs> yeah. or just sitting down and doing nothing and watching tv and it's like well what's what's more what's more enjoyable yeah. anyway yeah. um yeah. yeah awesome okay so zoo school that's awesome first of mm. all um and then i guess as part of the zoo school you had to work at the zoos that was the main thing it was very hands-on so and I, I worked with uh, a lot of reptiles. Um, there was a, uh, I guess probably a whole semester of, of venomous snakes. So yeah, I spent awesome. a lot of time with that stuff. I don't, I mean, I just, when I travel and I go herping, then I sort of like to mess around with things I probably shouldn't. But as far as like keeping, um, like probably emperor scorpions is as dangerous as I get. And right. which is funny because people uh, tend to underestimate them. They're great. Like I wouldn't use any other scorpion for shows, but I don't let other people handle them. I was stung by one once, wow. and, well, more than once, but I had a couple of like dry stings. They don't, they're reluctant to sting, but I had one good sting and it took two and a half months to heal. So just to give a little bit of perspective on that, because a lot of people think, oh, they don't sting and they're like, here, let their kids you know, handle them and stuff and for sure. Just what, be careful. <laughs> what 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 was the uh like was it a swelling or like what was the reaction? It was all um like necrosis. It was, there was no you know, I I've been stung, I don't know what it is, past few years, every single stinging insect outside seems to like me, like wasps <laughs> and stuff. And I remember finding it really fascinating. I got stung almost the ankle by a, a wasp or a hornet or something i didn't see it but it stung me and almost immediately i had this like almost like a, a like you know if you have a migraine that like so it just bam hit me here even though i got stung down there so it's definitely um uh, what's the word i'm looking for here like a, a neurotoxin in there whereas the the scorpion was all hemotoxin it was just tissue tissue damage there was no and just local else. to the bite yeah, so it's it was like a big blood blister that just wouldn't heal, wow. and yeah, so not a big deal. But I'm just thinking, what if somebody had an allergic reaction, right? Then what? So yeah, or what if it was a young child, like you mentioned, like that's yeah. probably going to yeah. react a little bit worse than than yeah. uh, than an adult. Yeah, exactly. When I do my shows, I don't I, I let people touch some of the animals, of course, but I don't let anybody hold them, and I don't. There's certain ones like the scorpion. It's just like you can look at it, but um, 
be careful. <laughs> just, yeah, that's it. I mean, everybody has their own way of doing things, but I just like to be really careful. <laughs> and my insurance company has no sense of humor about this stuff whatsoever either. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then actually, maybe one one other thing we'll we'll or or or, or maybe we'll stick to the Florida, then we'll jump to the the, the sure, yeah. But um, <clears throat> so did you work with any other species while you were there besides uh, Did you have to do uh, mammals as well and all? Yeah, stuff? I, I guess that's what I was gonna say. Is even though I did work with like you know crocodiles and and rattlesnakes and all this stuff um i most of what i did because i went I, when i moved to florida i brought it was like 65 reptiles with me um and from, i accumulated yeah from here from here yeah wow so, um so i had to get like export re import permits and all it was a long process and um so i knew i was bringing them back but i came back with about 300 so um that's how that went um but while i was down there i was the guy working with reptiles at home all the time so i got to work with you know jaguars and tigers and mm -hmm. you know, like every kind of bird imaginable all this other stuff which was fantastic and i i kind of miss that a lot of the times you know i miss the like all of the different creatures that you, you form a bond with like Absolutely. You know, in the time that I was there, like the, especially the cats, the, and, and the monkeys and stuff, they get to know you and you have a, some sort of relationship. And yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit different than, um, than reptile keeping for sure. Yeah. But although I, I have to birds, say, I find. yeah, and birds, and, uh, but I, I have to say, and you know, this could raise eyebrows, but I, I gotta tell you, um, you, you know, back then, um, I mean, just globally, zookeepers and uh, reptile people just thought reptiles were all operating on instinct and they weren't very bright and didn't have any awareness and all this and i see it every day now if you're open to and you pay attention there's a lot more going on there and they're a lot smarter than i uh, you know i have a red-footed tortoise I named agree. turbo I, I he lives outside in the backyard he's a rescue and he's still growing but he lives out in the yard in the summer and he has these behaviors like and anybody who keeps tortoises in that kind of environment will probably give you similar um accounts of their behavior uh i don't know that he knows his name but when i go out and call him he does come and it's like jurassic park all that everything he's just like but it's probably because he's like that's the guy with the food right he knows yes. so he comes however he has certain times of day when he knows that i'm going to bring him inside so i have to bribe him because I'll call him and he's like, nope, I know what you're up to. So he, he's, and he throws a little tank. Oh yeah, yeah. And I see, I mean, bearded dragons, if you ever watch them in a group, um, yeah, they, there's definitely some interaction and some learned behavior for sure. And you can tell you're looking at these, even anoles, you look at them and they're looking, they're looking right in your eyes. They're looking back at you. And in fact, that's how I learned to catch them. Um, when I lived in Florida, I was, I always try to catch little, well, greeners were more common then than they are now. Um, the browns have kind of taken over. The, the browns are everywhere now. Yeah. yeah. But either way, it doesn't matter. If you try to catch one on a tree, they just kind of go up the tree, right? And I realized they're looking right in your eyes. So if you kind of go up like, you know, like this, where you're, you're going at them, but you're not looking at them, directly they watch you but they're watching your eyes but they think you're not coming for them because 
it's a it's a neat trick and it works and then you can catch them. Just grab them. That's super interesting. Yeah. yeah. I will say yeah. I was I was in um in Florida in April just for um, a couple of weeks and nice. I tried very, very hard and <laughs> I've I failed miserably every I could not catch a single one of those annoles. I, oh, I, I wish I would have told you that before. But, yeah, it, see it, the difference. It's really it's a neat trick. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Next yeah. time I'm gonna have to give that a try. But yeah, there's there's I was shocked at how fast they are. Um, and how, 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 yeah, they're, they're, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting experience. I've got a lot of reptiles, like just randomly. And, and I, th I don't think anything has given me as hard of a time as catching those animals. <laughs> um, but awesome. Okay. So you came back with 300 animals. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what was some of the stuff you were working with back then? Um, yeah. And that's, that's an interesting thing because I'm still known for being kind of a corn snake guy. Yeah. Um, but I was pretty big into sand boas, um, rosy boas. And I, I've written a bunch of articles for, for reptiles magazine that for sand boas for over the years. Um, and what else I'm trying to think like house snakes, I still work with them a bit. Back then I was really working with everything. Like I had like a mass of, at the time anyway, like a, a big group of leopard geckos. And that wasn't a common thing in Canada at that time. Fat tails I was breeding. Was breeding ball pythons too, but they were, uh, I mean, they were just wild, wild ball pythons. Yes, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, their morphs had start. I think the only morph I knew of was the albino at that time, which was uh, like expense, like For really sure. expensive. and probably a big thing as well at that time. Oh yeah, yeah, it was like the dream snake. Um, now and it, of course, I. I still love ball pythons, but I, I made a deliberate decision to stop breeding them uh, about a dozen years ago, 12, 13 years ago. I think I had one clutch from retainment, you know, that came yeah. sort of like, what happened here? But um, it's, they're often, I think most breeders and most keepers have good intentions and they do try to be responsible. Um, but nobody seems to talk about the fact that they can live for over 50 years. I think the record I just found out like within the past couple of weeks is something like 65 years. Last I heard was 52. It was going 65. around 65. Yeah. And so ball python. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. I have two of them that are in their mid forties. So, wow. yeah. And this is kind of what bothers me uh, is that I don't really consider them a beginner's pet, but a lot of times people go, well, these normal ball pythons are byproducts of what we're trying to do. So, you know, throw them out yeah, into the, cheap. yeah, super cheap, throw them out, call them a beginner's pet. And, you know, I, again, I have no, um, no, no shade to ball python breeders or to the snakes, but it's like, it kind of concerns me for the future. Um, because we have to consider these things more than ourselves, right? It's a bigger for picture. Sure. Do, do corn snakes not live that long? No, I mean, a 30 year old one is possible. I, they, I don't know what the record is. It might be longer than that, but usually, usually under 20. And, uh, you know, I've had some long animals for a long time. I had a, an African pixie frog live 28 years in my care. Like I got it. It's a baby. Um, I had a, a what is it? Um, a tokay gecko live for about 30 years now it wasn't i didn't have it the whole time but i knew where it came from and how long it was so 
most people think they live about 10, 12 years. But, uh, yeah, and, my assumption was like 15 to 17-ish yeah, maybe. But yeah, yeah. It was about 30 years. The sandals I was talking about, same thing. I had the, the last one uh, a few years ago, the last one of my first two that I got, and that's what got me into them. They were actually left in somebody's apartment in Elmer, and um, I ended up with those two. And the the breeding stock that I have today, a lot of still part of that that the yeah. group, which is really cool because they have there's some neat stuff coming out of them. Um, but yeah, uh, lived about thirty years, and so you know, it's the same thing with, when it comes to tortoises and turtles and that. Like you have to consider, do you, <laughs> you really want a sixty year old demanding pet that you, that's a it's a lot it's of the same thing with sulcatas too. Do you really want a sixty-year-old gigantic yeah. animal that's bigger than the size of a dog? Like yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. even the red foot, like even with Turbo, um, obviously we live in Canada. He cannot live outdoors, so he has to come inside. And um, so I have him in something in the winter that, and this is what one of the changes and one of the things that I'm sort of reverting back to where I started, which is trying to give them bigger and better environments, right? And and I feel like I'm not there yet. I'm still learning, still finding space, still, you know, streamlining what I'm doing. And um, and I think that's important to realize, like, it's not over. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I can I, always I... do better. And, uh, but when he's bored or wants to eat more, which tortoises always do, He'll throw a bit of a tantrum and he bangs against the wall and it's really annoying. <laughs> so he's, I'm really fortunate because I love him to death. He's such a personality and I, I feel like I'm so grateful to have him in my life. But um, yeah, not for everybody, man. That's like, you know, for sure. Yeah, you know, no, no, the, definitely the commitment. No. Yeah, I, I think like snakes and lizards. And all these other things are one thing, and then tortoises and turtles are a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I, I I agree. They're the, the just the the amount of responsibility that they need. I think is is way more than anything else. Yeah, it's true. And and you know, I have um, a blue tongue skink. That's I think she's twenty seven this year, and I've used that one. Might be a boy, but I've been called named her Jessica when she was a baby, and I'm not breeding them, so I don't care. But I use that one every single show I think I've ever done. And that, that's a lot in 28 years that she has come with me. And um, that skink, 28 years, I saw something, it was a magazine article or something, and there's a picture of a kid holding a blue tongue skink. And beside it, it's like a grown man holding a, the same skink. And it's like, it's like 42 years difference or something like that. And some people were going, Oh, come on, no way. That's not him. Like, man, I have no reason to doubt that at all. Like, wow. these, <laughs> they, they hang on for a long time, and, and uh, especially if you do take care of them well. For which sure. Doesn't, doesn't have to always be complex uh, setups. It's just giving them the needs that, uh, and the, the basic needs that are important to them, and not. Yeah. Not living a life of stress, too. <laughs> you know. For sure, and and maybe maybe we'll we'll get back to to the animals, but maybe just while we're on this topic, what would you as as maybe we'll we'll just 
don't know how to phrase this as not not to put you in the corn snake corner again uh, but like for using corn snake as an example what would you say that that um suitable habitat would be um you know it's a good question because um i i'm the way i i guess maybe it's an old school thing um i kind of do herpetoculture kind of like i cook which is to say that i don't measure anything <laughs> right. and so i'm not especially good when it comes to say like people will say well how long is a snake I'm like, i don't know how, like, how do you measure a snake i don't know they don't go in a straight line yeah. or what does it weigh everybody weighs everything now and i have a scale i weigh some stuff if i'm especially if i'm concerned about them but i don't weigh like if i have crested gecko babies like people weigh them and they i, I don't know it's it's fine i'm not again no judgment i just i look at them I kind of feel the air. I can. T that's just an, maybe it's an old school way, but it, it's it's paid off. It's worked pretty well for me. But maybe not everybody has that. The eye you know, for it. The eye or the feel. Like sometimes you can put your hand in the cage and well, that's too hot or too cold. I don't know. I, I know that's a weird way of doing things, but it's. I'm not saying that's the only way. I do have temp guns and all. I have the equipment and, and stuff. Sure. Anyway, to answer your question though, um, I think. The, the one thing that we often neglect, and I say we, including myself, is their love of climbing. So if you can get a terrarium that has both uh, space, uh, you know, ground space and height, that's a really good thing because corns love to climb. Um, Temperature-wise, I always say, you know, think Florida, southern U.S., where they're from. They can, and they're, unlike ball pythons, again, I'm not dissing ball pythons, but um, they're more sensitive when it comes to temperature fluctuations, things like that. Corn snakes, I often say, if you're not sure, start off cooler, and then you can always raise it up. You can't come back from cooking an animal. Right? You yeah. want to make sure because they can handle it if it's a bit cold. Um, yeah, and they, 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 I mean, they brewmate, and or depending on, I guess, where, where, what area they, they come from. Yeah. But well, I mean, I think even, even in Florida. Um, Unless it's real South Florida, it still gets cool enough for a few months anyway to, you know, for them to have a dormant period. Right. Okay. Um, and I do roommate all of my snakes for breeding. Well, I mean, like all of my colubrids anyway. Um, my hognose, corns, they all kind of go in the same, uh, same room. I have a, a room that is like... Um, it's kind of like, I call it my cool room for that reason, but it's probably just what, I don't know, whoever lived here before was storing stuff. And it's, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I put in, in them in that room and I keep an eye again with the temp gun and so make sure that it's not. And if I hear that it's going to be really, really cold, it might concern me, but I make sure I keep an eye on them. And it, they always have water and that kind of thing. And, uh, Do yeah, you feed them at all during this time? No, no feeding. Um, and I make sure that they haven't eaten for at least two weeks, usually a little more. I, I gradually, what I do is I take them all and I put them into um, Rubbermaid bins, you know, with the holes drilled on the side. And I make sure that they all stack up and sit on the floor beside the door of that room. They get a lot of, it's cooler, way cooler than it is in their, <laughs> in their own environments. For and sure. then I gradually put them in there and... I've never lost an animal. I've been doing this for like a long time, and I've never lost an animal through that. Um, but 
I, I like the the concerned parent that, <laughs> like, if it gets Checks really cold, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I still feel like if it gets too cold, I get a little concerned, particularly with the the hog nose because, you know, they they probably don't get to the same level of cold that uh, that the corns can handle. So. Yeah, how how long are they are they in the cold room for? Uh, usually, I start right after Christmas, and um, I used to wait till January, but it it just depends. Like, um, and the break is actually really good for me. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. You know, you you get uh, the summer is so busy. Uh, it's really wild because everything. Sometimes I like, why can't things drag out through the winter? But I have all of my summer camp shows, all that stuff, and I'm still working. I'm still. Um, and, and you have babies to feed and you have yeah all the babies are all out, at the same you know? time yeah and of course the, the any sort of summer music shows happen and traveling and stuff i'm like why why all in, within two months or something why yeah. can't this be so um a, a bit of a break by cooling the animals down and i, I have um I like black rat snakes too and any of my um native wildlife i obviously have to have a permit for because of my shows and that's why I do that's why I have them um I have a, a, a snapping turtle as well I don't have as many um native uh, Ontario animals as I did before because what happens is when they do get older and die um it's not something you can just go and replace right? you have to get a new really. permit for it yeah well getting a permit is not easy because how do you replace it you can't go out and collect them out of the wild so there has to be a legal way to obtain them you can't just say well that one died i'm going to go grab another one right yeah, so yeah. um so unless, like a rescue or a shelter or something yeah and and you also you can't just go to i don't know say somebody else that keeps them because for example um unless you have a license to propagate you which i don't not those i you can't like in other words if somebody came to me saying you know i i have a permit i do these shows and i want a black rat snake uh, there was a period where i was allowed to breed them and that was one of the things that i was doing was supplying some of the other um educational uh, businesses with them i couldn't sell them but i could give them to them uh, but now i I can't do that so yeah so neither can most people so you can, yeah. it's not easy to replace them so yeah how did i get on this topic I don't know. oh yeah <laughs> we're talking about cooling because those yes. guys are yes. a, a strange thing because i'm not as busy but i still do shows in the winter um so by having multiple rat snakes i'll often keep one sort of awake for a while and um there was a i think the Aquatarium in Brockville, they have their own now. I don't know. Yeah, but for a while, I would let them use one of mine for the winter. Is it worth checking out? The Aquatarium? Yeah. I've yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, th yeah it's, I think you'd like it for sure. I mean, there's, um, they have a beaver. <laughs> Who doesn't love beavers? Yeah. <laughs> if you're Canadian, you love beavers. So, yeah. And his name is Justin Beaver. Beaver. So. That, that's awesome yeah <laughs> uh, so so from um from what you're currently working with is it mostly colubrids now yes uh except for the sand boas um trying to think yeah so hognose uh sand boas and corns and I, was, I still do some geckos fat tails and crested and stuff but not a lot i mean it's 
I, I kind of, again, the Cresties I limited because uh, I just see so many. Mm. And um, market is a little rough right now. Yeah. So it's not a matter of like whether or not I can sell them. It's just there just seems to be a lot. So I don't really need to contribute, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, corn snakes, I've never stopped breeding. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll do that. I'll like sort of jump in and jump out of certain species based on what I see, what I see, but I'm surprised, uh, by the changes in certain ways, like, um, what are they called? The uh, Mexican black king snakes, for example, when yeah. I was like, I brought some back from Florida, but again, going back to the mid nineties and they were like $35 a piece and you had trouble giving them away. Now, what, what was the price? I said it was like around two hundred dollars or something. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what they go for it, like expos two hundred to fifty yeah. roughly. It's like, yeah. man, I should have kept breeding that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, but it's honestly, I I've never cared about the money. I mean, yes, I I have to, you know, pay my bills like everybody else, and and so it's not that I don't keep an eye on like some of that, but I it's never been like, oh, look at the price of that. I need to get in on that. It's yeah. I work with what I like. There, there was probably periods like, I mean, we always learn, we always go through these things uh, throughout our lives. And, and I remember like certain ones that I wanted to get in on because of the price, but not just because of the price, but because I like them. But there's some motivation there. Like, um, I don't know, if you're in business, you try to make money. For sure. But then I learned pretty quickly that if it's not something that I'm really into, it doesn't. You won't be successful with it. No, exactly. It's not, and that's why I always tell people that if you want to get into breeding, just just do what you love to keep the animals that you're really into. And so I've I've loved hognose snakes from the beginning for my whole life. I and I've been breeding them for yeah since like the mid 90s same as uh, corns were ahead by a couple of years but um i've always been breeding hognose and uh, yeah yeah so so maybe maybe we'll touch on that too as well for a second you said may, maybe in terms of price or just in other ways how how do you feel the hobby has changed over time uh, here in canada or just in general um i haven't uh i haven't hit too many like U.S. expos or anything in quite a long time. Uh, as far as Canada, probably not much different. I just, I, I mean, you know, you, you go to an expo and you see a lot of ball pythons still, and you see a lot of uh, crested geckos and stuff. And, um, uh, you know, I have no problem with that, but it seems to be a lot more people are trying to be specialists than... Like, just kind of breeding everything. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was doing. I was breeding like every, it didn't, anything. I was trying, I was breeding brown basilisks and uh, just things that, yeah, like anything because it was, uh, uh, even though I was selling animals and it was a business, it was truly a hobbyist mindset where I just loved all of them. And and then you, you kind of learn what you really want to spend your time with after a while. But I think that's the difference um, is, and it's of course grown, which is amazing. Like, Do you feel like it's grown like a lot? Well, when I was doing the first shows in that I was doing in Canada, um, 
we were down, I remember like Mississauga, Lakeshore Boulevard, a little legion. And there were about I don't know, between 20 and 30 vendors. And so you could look across and see, you know, everybody knew everybody. You just look across, hey, what do you sell leopard geckos for? Oh, like, okay. So everybody, there wasn't, now you can't get away from your table and it's just like a sea of other, you know, breeders and keepers. And yeah. yeah. So uh, this is not a bad thing. It's, it's nice that when the general public, who a lot of people don't know anything about reptiles, can come to one of these events and see uh, there's like a um you can see the seriousness of it now you can see that that people are really into this and it means a lot to them but back then it was a bit like when i moved here's a good example when i moved back to canada and i'm thinking this is great i came back feeling you know educated experienced i'm opening my business and I didn't expect a witch hunt, but that's what it ended up being. And it's a story that most people don't know much about, but it, I mean, the things I could, I could write a book and you would be like, no, you gotta be kidding. Like this stuff really happened. <laughs> and what do you mean by witch hunt? Uh, the town, the mayor, the most of the council, a lot of the concerned citizens did not want me here. And <laughs> there were town <laughs> meetings. They, the t like, and I'm not even joking about this. They, they had the, the meter made who would go around writing tickets and, and that they, because we didn't, it was a small town, right? They didn't have a, a bylaw officer at the time. They appointed her. This is your new job. Now you're the bylaw officer. It had nothing to do with people putting their garbage out at the wrong time or anything like that. It was, it was all, they, the, they were calling it the snake bylaw. Like it was all the whole thing. Um, and they were going after me hard they were making up laws and doing it was just crazy go calling the spca who came to visit and i mean it's like i could go on this is really something but um it was all over it was like even on the the news in ottawa like the ctv news or whatever it was or cgoh or all of it, they were all covering it um in the newspaper every week and it was the reason why I call it a witch hunt is because no matter how professional I tried to be and keeping in mind, I, I probably was a little uh, cockier than I needed to be at this point, but I was also pushed in a corner. Right. So I was defending myself. And um, but the mayor, like it, the quote was like snakes are very, very scary looking. That was the, the quote in, in the newspaper. I mean, this is the stuff that we were dealing with. And now, um, and so not not to like pat myself on the back for being a trailblazer or anything, but we don't, we still have these problems. We still have, we're still going up against bylaws and stuff. Yes. And this is why I have a bit of, um, of experience with this because of the, you, you think that you're thinking like a rational person. Like I'm not hurting anybody. I'm doing, you know, I love these animals and nobody's in any danger that doesn't matter <laughs> in the eyes of somebody who opposes what you're doing scared or opposes yeah yeah the knee-jerk reaction and we've seen the bylaws happen i wrote the bylaws the reptile bylaws for kempville like that was kind of the compromise um and so like wow yeah and 
but because they adopt a bylaw from another municipality is usually what it is. So you can't keep a walrus in Kempville, like like as though keeping walruses. As though it's ever been a problem. Where yeah. did this come from? Yes. Uh, um, so yeah, that's why. Like now, I I say I worry about things like ball pythons. Again, I, I hope nobody thinks I'm like <laughs> taking aim at ball You're pythons. Okay. That's not yeah, my yeah. issue. My issue is that, <laughs> yeah, the issue and the concern is that if, if we don't let people know that start out with ball pythons and we just keep breeding them and pumping them out there and people don't know how long they live and people are going to start letting them go and it's, it's already happened, this isn't new, but you know, within five or ten years, we're, remember, we, we still have like red ear slider rescues, right, because of what happened with them them yeah. just being released now we still see them uh, outside like they're still yeah oh well, yeah now they've established that yeah. they can live uh ball pythons Would not. that'll happen you know? yeah. but they're still going to be terrifying to people when they come across them in a park somewhere or something with their kids um because it's very obviously not a local snake yes. and people are going to start dumping them and I mean, maybe I sound like I have no faith in humanity, but I mean, come on, we no, know much. this is this is going to happen. And what's going to happen is is that's when there's already bylaws in places because of this. And again, the bylaws are going to tack on everything: horn snakes and geckos. Just get worse and, and worse. Yeah. So Absolutely. we have to we have to start considering because, like I said, the red eared slider rescues are going to eventually. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I five ten years are going to be ball python rescues. Yes, it's, it's already and, starting. Has it? It's already starting. Yes. Okay, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm out of the loop. I haven't heard of it, but I, I'm just just predicting it because of knowing they're not that exciting, and yeah. a lot of people get into them for the wrong reasons. They they want to make money and they think they're gonna, you know, become big name breeders and have a fortune, and maybe they will, but yeah. That's to me. That shouldn't be the main reason. And eventually, though, a lot of people get a collection and realize that it didn't work out as well as they thought it would, and it's taking longer or whatever. And now they're bored with it. And they want to move on to another hobby or something. And yeah, and, and if, you, if you're saying these snakes are living 40, 50, 60 years, what's the what's the product of all these snakes in? 30 years when all of them are adult snakes now and i mean i'm yeah. sure it's ready yeah like you said it's already starting to a certain extent but yeah and, and my um oldest oldest ball python that i i still have pictures of me as a teenager with her wild wild caught snake and i still have her and she's kind of showing her age but she's still hanging in there um and she's like mid 40s i think uh, somewhere around there but she stopped reproducing before i stopped breeding so that's another thing i don't know when ball python females stop breeding but it's sort of like well you know what do you do with these snakes that you have to put out to pasture where do they all go yeah. in 20 25 years when they no longer want to reproduce and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not my. I'm not trying to be a downer or make everything, uh, you know, like 
serious or anything, but it is something that we have to consider. I think. No, for sure. No, no, for sure. And while we're stop on... selling sulcata babies at expos and things and, yes, and alligators I... and stuff, like please stop doing this too. For real, I haven't seen them at any expos in in quite a while. But every once in a while, I'll see the ads on Kijiji, and uh, oh, really? yeah, Solcata tortoises yeah. for twenty five dollars, um, like uh, little caimans for like eighty bucks. Like they, on the, the prices, yeah, on Kijiji. That it's, it's, it's allowed to do that. It's, they're probably not. I assume they're they're up until somebody catches it, it gets put down, and then gets just yeah. gets put puts back up again. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen some some crazy crazy, crazy well, species sold for very very cheap on on. Yeah, Kijiji. and the thing about Kijiji is, I, I put ads up there, um, and for every, I don't know, I'd say one serious like actual buyer or somebody who cares, there's probably ten like questionable uh, yes. re replies and. There are people I know who I've seen people write this like on Facebook and stuff like wanting Kijiji to stop selling animals. Yes. And I don't agree with it. And I'll tell you why, because it's not going to stop the people who, I mean, the education is there. I mean, Google exists and there's lots of, there, I mean, yes, there's a lot of misinformation, but there's a lot of information too. And there's no real good excuse for it. But it, stopping the sale of animals on Kijiji is not going to stop any of the bad stuff that is just saying sweep it under the rug so we don't see it. I yes. want to see it. I, yes. I'd rather, you know, I, it's funny. I was selling, yeah. I was breeding um, uh, Great Plains rat snakes. So I ghost, but I don't know. It's weird why they call them ghosts. They're basically hypo Great Plains rat snakes, right? So, I was selling them on Kijiji. This is going back probably 10 years or something. And so I, you know, put what they were, obviously. And somebody sends me a, a reply saying, uh, that's a corn snake, right? Like, yeah. thanks. Right? Like, this is the things I get. And sure enough, like back then you could see their email and you just plug it into your you know Facebook and their account would come up. You can't really do that now yes. um, because of privacy and all that. But sure enough, this is somebody who had like um, a corn snake and a ball python or something, two snakes and knew everything. Yes. And I kind of go, I wonder if I was like that. <laughs> point, I, yeah. You know, I wonder if I, but, and maybe I was, but we didn't have the internet back then. So I wasn't able to go and tell everybody I was like that. Um, but I was like, what do I even do? Like, I have no idea what I'm breeding, right? This guy's telling me that I'm, <laughs> what I'm selling is wrong. Yeah. So I just sent, I just found a, a link, like a Wikipedia or whatever, and like emailed back the link. I never heard anything since. <laughs> yeah, because he was wrong, so he never responded. Yeah. It's funny, I, I absolutely, I, I do think I was also like that. I, I remember going into like reptile stores and stuff and being like, Oh, I know more than these people that work here. And then I became the person working at the reptile store, and I saw people coming in thinking they knew more than me. And I was I like, know. "Oh, that, that was me. <laughs> yeah. I was the right person." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and that—that's—that's that's the thing. And I, now, as uh, the the older I get, the more I realize that I'm still learning. Like every day, I'm learning something, and I can't. I also learned that life is busy, and I can't know like every morph of every animal like there was a period where i used to get all of the again pre-internet oh i have boxes like literally boxes full of price lists so i'd look at reptiles magazine and i would find 
like every and I would write because that's how you do it. You'd send them a a, a a letter saying, "Can I have a current price list?" And you'd be on their mailing list, and so I had all the Glades hurt lists, all the Crutchfields, all everybody, and I still have them all. And I would have all these price lists, and um, I would study them. I would know all of the the names of like scientific names, and then I would have my encyclopedias and books and um, yeah, I know everything it, that was coming in, everything that was happening in the hobby. Yeah, and what a different world. And now it's it's all like now when I hear people saying, you know, world's first, like breeding, and um, usually it's a morph of a ball python or something, or yeah. maybe it's a corn snake or, or what. Uh, yeah, which is you know not a bad accomplishment. That's cool, but it's like it should be a world's first species. And that'd be really impressive. That would really. be yeah, absolutely. It's, but we don't see much of that. Uh, it's now people don't like to dabble. And I find some people probably like us complain about the lack of diversity in captive bred reptiles and expos and stuff. But there were times where, uh, not, you know, fairly recent years, I was breeding a lot of different stuff. And people come to the tables at the expo and they go, wow, is that ever cool? But they wouldn't buy it because they didn't really, yeah. They, but then they go and buy like something else. I don't know, like a regular, something they knew. Something more so, common, yeah. Yeah, and I still have that. I bring house snakes, you know, breeding African house snakes, and I think they're such a cool snake. And people go, wow, that's really cool. But then they don't buy them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that, that is, you're right. That is part, like a huge part of why people, um, I think, don't invest the time and energy into working with these rare species. But I do also think mm -hmm. that it's starting to slowly flip. And I think people I think are so. starting to go back to breeding for the love of it, not the money and, and kind of mm -hmm. wanting to work with these uh, rare species. And I think the internet and like being all of us connected online sort of has something to do with like that push is now mm -hmm. you're like, you have that accessibility to talk to somebody that's also doing something same, similar across the world. And you're like, now you can compare notes. And now I, I don't mm -hmm. know. I feel like, if people are slowly starting to want to get that cool new species now rather yeah. than like an, one of the more common ones. Yeah, um, and I have this this sort of disease of when I see uh, an old, an animal that I haven't worked with in years that I go, oh, that's really cool. And, and you have this like, I, I should get those again, right? <laughs> yes, yes, I know that feeling too well. Yeah, it's like, man. Yeah. But that's, that's very funny. So when you when you had all these lists and coming in, were you able to uh, purchase and bring things up? Yeah, I, I did. And it's funny because um, so eventually it got to the point of where I was, um, I got a few CITES animals. And so that took a little more effort. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, the effort when it's coming this way is the efforts on the other side. Um, Right. But the, the the time and it took a little more time and that. But uh, for a while, yeah, I would just get, um, you know, really common stuff now, like you can get here. But at the time, it was like there was no place to get some of these animals. And, um, and yeah, it would just have them shipped up. And, uh, and back then, too, the legalities were a lot looser, mm -hmm. right? So, and... And this I'm talking about before I even moved to Florida. This was way before that. Most of the animals that I was getting, would, you know, would be coming from the states or somewhere else. That, you know. So really, you're responsible for bringing a lot of these species. <laughs> I don't like, know. 
hobby in Canada? Uh, I don't know about that because most of the ones I was getting were like pets that never bred. Like sometimes they did, but um, eventually now when I had my, my business uh, started, then I was doing a lot of importing of, you know, corn snake morphs and, you know, stuff like that. But before that, it was more or less like every type of toad that I could afford or, you know, like it didn't matter. Oh, that one's only $4. I want that, you know. So I wasn't breeding them. I was just, they were or pets right? and, and i don't see a lot of that i i'm starting to see it a little bit more and the reason why i even bring this up is because as somebody who breeds you know corn snakes um they are in my opinion the pretty much the ultimate you know first pet snake and and the, one of the misconceptions when people see them and again i think this is because like they'll see ball pythons or a boa or something like that and go those babies are robust and they look like okay, that's not as that's not as delicate but man for my money you could take a baby corn snake over a ball python any day as far as how well they're going to do right off the bat and and i'm talking about in the hands of a beginner like all pythons captive bred ones are great and they usually eat really well um but even like sand boas, for example, you, it's hard to really screw up a baby sand boa, but the first little while, maybe three months, a lot of them want live food. And that's just the way they are. And- The beginner uh, keeper is not gonna do that. No, usually not, um, sometimes, but, and if they do, where do they get it, right? Are they gonna start breeding live mice? They have to go to a store to get them. It's a whole other thing, whereas they could go to most pet stores and get frozen pinkies. Um, but corn snakes, they're small, but they look delicate, right? Um, I'm trying to think of why we even got into this topic, but <laughs> the point no, but being... No, that's a good point. Do you think that you, you said you said you think corn snakes are the ultimate first pet? Um, from my experience, yeah. And I yeah. have a lot of experience with a lot of different snakes. So right. um, they're, you, you just check off all of the, the points, right? Think of the things about them. How big do they get? They're, they're not going to need their own apartment. They're reasonably sized. They need a little bit of space, but they're not huge. Yeah. Um, the colors, if you're really into morphs and that, you can get a purple one, you can get a yellow one, you can get a red one, whatever. There's a lot going on there. Um, yes. The temperaments are great. The dead food, no problem. They're tolerant to temperature fluctuations. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'll give you the one argument for ball pythons. Okay. <laughs> it's it's I think it's the lack of movement. I think that's yeah. a big thing as well. I think people want that the animal to be able to just put it on their lap and watch TV, whereas corn snakes are always having to yeah, always having I to don't like, know. to me it's like if you have a snake, wouldn't you want it to feel like a snake? <laughs> like absolutely. absolutely. I, I, I find um yeah, ball pythons there is that, although I made a mistake um way back, my first ball python which I still have. So if the story ends well, but yeah, she got, it was one of those things where I s sat her on my bed and I went around cleaning cages in my bedroom. I was still living with my parents, right? I was a kid basically going around cleaning cages and stuff. And I had tanks lining all the walls in my bedroom and I left her on my bed. She's just sitting there in a ball. What's she going to do? Right. But she disappeared and I couldn't find her for the longest time. So I, 
it was the the lesson in how to tear apart an entire room until you find a snake and then give up and go she disappeared you know what she was doing is going underneath my dresser and uh, and into the drawer she opened the drawer and there she is like okay um so there's an argument for keeping ball pythons in sliding drawers (laughs) yeah that's exactly where they went yeah that's what she wanted um yeah, and that was just my own stupidity and learning a lesson, right? As somebody who now every time I sell a snake to people, I insult their intelligence by telling them, do not underestimate the ability oh. for a snake to escape. Like, yes. never, yeah. And Escaper. almost yeah, almost every year I, I get a call or three from people saying the snake is gone. And uh, almost always they manage to find it again, so that's good. Because I always tell them, like, look high and low, don't. Yeah, don't leave anything unturned. It might be up in the curtain rod or something like surprising, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, I I have I have had my my uh, fair share of escapees in the in the reptile room, and uh, every single one of them um has come back. Like not I don't say come back, but I, I usually will find within the first like yeah. twenty four hours. Uh, yeah. like I, I usually like will let the day run out and then turn off the lights and sit there with a flashlight in the dark yeah. and they usually pop up but it's it, yeah all of them have been geckos not snakes so i don't know yeah i'm sure yeah. That usually, even snakes i find that's that's often you know lights off and then go back yeah. an hour later and turn on the lights and then it's sitting there like in wow. the middle of the room like yeah. oh no, i got caught <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. um all right. So wh- while we while we we've we've jumped off through a few controversial topics. <laughs> oh, I can I can get more, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm about to throw one more at you. So you've okay. been breeding corn snakes for a while. Um, do you work with uh, scaleless corn snakes? No. Um, and What's your opinion on them. <laughs> you know, I. It's it's a weird thing. I I have a stronger opinion about hybrids. You know, I'm not, that's not, um, the, how do I say this? My opinion about hybrids is a negative one. And that's because, uh, even if they're being kept in captivity and that's the intention, it's not always, you know, animals get out, people let them go. So there's that. I mean, we're not talking about just Canada where they might not survive. There are other places in the world where they will. So just to, about scale of snakes, I don't really, it's weird because I don't, have a strong opinion i'm not really interested in working with them necessarily but i held the first one that i've ever held uh last year one of one of the another corn snake breeder i think that's mainly her thing is is scaleless corn snakes and i was talking to her and i said i've never even touched one so she brought one over the table so i could hold it and it's like kind of felt like what i expected actually it's pretty neat um yeah do i skin yeah but i yeah I don't know. I mean, you're talking to somebody who has three hairless cats, so, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. Um, and that's just me being as honest as I can. I, I don't, I don't think it's the downfall of the, the hobby or anything, but I'm not sure. What you think of, yeah. Do you, do you know what, like, what gene was altered to be able to create Does that make sense? I don't even know if this question makes sense. I, I really don't know. I haven't researched them that much just because I haven't, and when I say I'm not interested in working with them, it's not because, again, because I have a strong opinion one way or another, or because I don't like the look of them. It's just I have enough going on where I don't need to complicate my. <laughs> I have I have morphs. I'm not even joking. I have like every year, 
certain groups of corn snakes that I'm like, it's I'm going, what the hell is that? I'm like, I don't know what this is. I, I, and I, I hold them back for like six months going, okay, I think it's this. And then when I sell them, I'm like, okay, me being honest, this is what I think it is. It's got this, this, and this, and there might be some of that because you don't even know. And so for me, throwing in a whole other thing like scaleless into my mix of complications, I'm just like, uh. <laughs> and which as another, you know, we were talking about the ages of, of snakes and stuff and how, how long right. they live. Um, people, uh, this might come as a shock, but people are also mortal. So as I'm getting older, I start to go, like, how many times am I going to keep holding snakes back for future breeders? Because there will be a point where, I mean, some of the animals that I have now might very likely outlive me as it is. So right. at what point do I... And then what say, do you do at that point? Yeah. Should I let this... <laughs> so I am kind of at the point, not because I'm like thinking of, of my... Uh, my death but <laughs> but because i'm thinking about the fact that i i don't want a pile of animals that are just somebody else has to deal with um right. and i also as i get older um you know my i still have uh, some pain and and stuff from my car accident and just life so i'm kind of like yeah do i really want to keep increasing my workload so I'm kind of getting at a point where I'm, uh, I've been scaling down, no pun intended, for you know several years. Well, for more than several years. I'm I'm trying to keep it manageable, and more than that, the other part of that, trying to keep it manageable is, it's more enjoyable for me when I can really spend time with the animals, and it's also um, the fewer animals I have, the better environment that I can give them a little more space. And because I don't want to be like, you get to a point sometimes I find like, at least I do, where uh, I'm kind of sick of seeing animals in cages. I want to go out and see them in nature. And so the more animals that I have, and then I feel to myself, am I, do, am I keeping them as well as I can be keeping them? Do they have the quality of life they deserve? Um, and so numbers mean a lot less to me now than they did at one point. For sure. Uh, have you have you ever gone herping in any of the species that you keep native range? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, um, now the only hognose snake I've ever found was a southern hognose snake in Florida, believe it or not, which is really cool. Um, but I've found a number. Of, corn snakes aren't just falling off every tree down south like some people think. Yes. But I have seen quite a few of them and um, caught. A lot, and some of the the stock that I still have to this day uh, come from way back wild caught that I caught. And I didn't keep it. Yeah, when I lived down there. Now I, I other times I visited down there. I caught them, but I didn't keep them. Right. It's right. Like, um, and that's another thing where that has changed, at least for me, is the idea of like I you know, keeping everything you catch or catching everything you see, and now. I'm. I just like to take pictures. Uh, and sometimes I'll manipulate them a bit to get a, a shot or whatever. And I'm no photographer, but it's just for me, right? I like to. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. 
and 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 you don't know how much you're stressing the animal out when you're picking it up in the wild and and yeah. and laws per where you are to some places don't allow you True. to touch the animals and but sometimes it's, it's hard not to mess with stuff especially when you love it so much absolutely yeah absolutely. but there there is that thing and and like you know even in here around well i'll go herping or just hiking not necessarily intentionally herping but i'll go out looking for everything that i can see and just enjoying nature every chance i get and um if i see a garter snake i always have this thing of like do i need to catch the snake because it's gonna musk all over my hands <laughs> gonna smell disgusting and for the rest of the hike yeah and it's like no matter what you do like i i often in the car i'll just have a little uh bottle of soapy water for you know because if you you want to help a turtle cross the road or something that's pretty gross too so i I have hand sanitizer but that little soapy water kind of helps it dish helps. Soap water. but even not it doesn't do it for a garter snake musk it's still not enough it's like well, three days afterwards yeah it's like well i'm not going out for lunch now <laughs> absolutely that's that's very funny uh awesome okay well okay maybe uh before before we wrap it up sure um a couple more questions for you first of all did you see anything in the wild that inspired when you were uh, catching or seeing the corn snakes or, or hog nose or whatever that inspired your captive keeping um, well, one of the things was, uh, remember I said corn snakes like to climb? Yes. And more than once I've seen them so far up in the trees that any hope of catching them is long gone. Like you're like looking up going, wow, that's like way up there. So, um, so that, that's always stuck in my mind that seeing them in nature that they like to climb and are really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, and then and then f being somebody that's seen the hobby grow and change over the last um, x amount of years, um, how do you project that it will that it'll be moving forward? Like, what do you see the future of the hobby? Um, it's a good question, and I think you're right about the um, that that it is changing. That people are interested in other species now. That they are seeing that there's more. But sometimes the the gateway is, it used to be a turtle, right? Yes, yes. Unfortunately, but now often they are, they're animals like a corn snake or a gecko or like a gecko or something like that. And then people, bearded dragons is a big one. Whenever I do um, my shows, I bring out a rescued bearded dragon that I have. And there's never a, a birthday party or a school show or anything, never that somebody in the crowd one of these kids either knows what it is or they have one. Bearded and, dragon, yeah. Yeah, and whether that's good or not, it, it, the, bringing the beard, it gives me a, a chance to explain why it's a rescue animal. And I, I say that a lot. I've had a, I have a lot of rescue animals, even though my business is not a rescue. Yeah, I, just, I love animals, right? And so that's how a lot of them ended up in my hands. Um, but I think that's what's going to happen. I think that, I, at least I hope, people... Are starting to get into other species that's that's from a breeding and uh you know pet uh, which is another thing I, I find a lot of people now are starting to ask for pets they want they're not always going um i want a breeder i want know? a breeding bear yeah or a breeder yeah they want a pet and i think that's that's a good thing because 
there was a point where it's like, why wouldn't you breed it? Like, but now I think there are enough people breeding, and it's there are enough animals in captivity. I think the idea of um, just having a pet and having that connection to to reptiles, and I think that's going to happen more. And I think the other thing is um, a lot of great uh, young keepers, like and young I, I say that not just young but newer um people come in with like real enthusiasm that is contagious it's exciting and, and i don't do enough expos i don't do as many as i used to um maybe two three a year at the most but every time i do i get talking to people who are really new and enthusiastic and um and, and that's exciting for the future i think and they come with a fresh perspective as well yeah, and, and absolutely. And I think that's something to always keep in mind. Like, again, we were talking about being younger and kind of cocky and, and that. And I, I don't see, I, you see a bit of that on the internet. Well, you see a lot of that on the internet. Or, you see a lot of that on the internet. Yeah. Especially but, on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I don't. But you know what? It's not just, it's not just reptile people, right? It's everything. Oh, it's everything and yeah. I don't understand it, but uh, I try to just ignore it. I don't know. And then uh, the other the one thing that I don't like is in groups where, you know, a, a, I don't know, a local herp group, and then somebody is new and they, they're doing something that may be frowned upon or whatever, and then people just rip them a new one. Gosh, yeah. And it's like that, and then their whole thing is, well, I'm, I'm passionate. And it's like, that's not, you can be passionate without being a jerk. If, you're, yeah. if you want to help people, that's passionate. If you want to educate them, um, properly, that's being passionate. And, and you can't go and criticize. Yeah, and uh, I think that's, but I don't see as much of that in person. But, you know, you know people so on. Hiding behind the keyboards, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's yeah, easy yeah. to be nasty. And I don't think being uh, mean spirited is the way to go. Um, and, you know, what the other thing I've learned is um, there, and this is talking about the future of, of keeping, it's, it's the same as, uh, not the same, but it's like, this is the evolution, is that, um, that for everything we're learning, one thing I know is that there's always, almost always more than one way to do things. So the way I do things may not be the way somebody else does. That doesn't mean they're wrong and I'm right or what, you know, but we can learn from each other. But if we're afraid to share our experiences because somebody's gonna be bashing you online, um then people clam up and they're not sharing and we need that we need that communication and um uh, I think communication is the only way to get this hobby to move forward i absolutely yeah and, and, like, and we don't seem as united as we should be a lot of times yes and it's you know what it's a little shocking to be especially like not throwing shade or anything but like as a canadian hobby we're super small community and still there's tends to be politics and all that. And it makes no sense to me because as such a small community, you'd think we'd all be wanting to get along so that we can, you know, ha fight the bylaw problems like you were saying earlier yeah, or fight yeah. these kind of things together. But um, yeah. hopefully, hopefully that comes soon. Hopefully. I, yeah. I also think with as, as the hobby grows and with more people coming into it, that may slowly become less of a possibility. Mm. as the community yeah. gets bigger more people are going to disagree with each other i guess yeah. but it, well, I it guess, does, yeah 
it's like you, like I was saying earlier about the the size of the expos, for example, when I first started doing them. Yeah. Um, versus the way they are now, where, um, you, you know, I'm not saying that there has to be a, a an accountability for your prices or anything. That's not that's not really my point. I guess my point is you kind of knew everybody, so you all had to. It was a lot harder to to. There was a lot of respect. Yeah, there was respect. That's I guess what I'm saying. Now people, you know, they they, they could be at the expos and like sometimes I see people and I, as I'm loading in and I'm like waving at them and it's like the only time I actually ever see them is loading in and loading out. I never even had a conversation with them, but you almost feel a kinship because you're at the same expo and you see them a couple times a year or something. But uh, that's. Yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I guess just the fact that as it grows, you don't have the same accountability or the same respect because you don't know everybody you anymore. Don't know everybody, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's that, less people holding you account. More, more people, yeah. but less people holding you accountable to yeah. a certain extent. Well, you know what you were saying about how you're reading my my website and you didn't know of a bunch of things that I had, had done and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's and it's odd. Like I think. Man, I was writing for like. Remember when I was? I got all these price lists, and yeah. I'm looking at people like Bill and Kathy Love and Ken Coos and uh, Dick Bartlett and all these people who are writing for Reptiles magazine. And you know, years later, I was writing for like alongside of them, basically. So it was like almost like a dream come true. I was part of that that group. Now uh, you talk to people about Reptiles magazine, they're like, "What's that?" You know, they're What's just that? like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that was like it's, huge, and I'm going well. Uh, glad I can contribute. Like nobody, <laughs> I was almost famous there for a while, and now it's like <laughs> you know. Um, and now people like Reptile Rainforest. What's that like? No, that know? that well, at least here in Ottawa, um, you've made a good name for yourself. Reptile Rainforest is still known. Like, um, um, well, I think it's is. still fairly known, and 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 like people say, still recommending you for um snakes when people are right, that's at least what i hear what i see yeah um, so uh but yeah reptiles magazine it's sad because i used to read it a lot growing up as well and and now it seems that it's, it's impossible to to yeah. see anyone who's even remembers it i think there's still i think there's still an, an online version there is, like, there is they are still releasing it yes i did yes. do um a couple of their online articles but i was also like bowtie which is their uh, the the production so they did um they were fancy publications at first so it was like bird talk and cat fancy and reptiles magazine and reptiles usa and all there was a whole umbrella and they changed to bow tie and they were doing all that as well mm -hmm. um and they also had pet product news and i was writing like two articles a month for them um so, i mean i what's that are they still around no I, well the the publication company is i guess if they're doing the, the reptiles channel but um i was like busy like i worked a lot i and i think part of that was the reason they liked me was uh because i could write but i also knew the animals that i worked with and i could take pictures of the animals that i worked right. with and so the, the subject um there's some people that would write but they weren't they were just writing about a subject, whereas they weren't living the subject. They weren't immersed in it, and or the other way around. So um, that's how. And I never said no to anything, deadlines, article assignments. I just like because they so were paying pay me well. 
<laughs> Were they? Okay, oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. They were paying me really well. I can't believe, and I, I had the at least the common sense to know that it wasn't going to last forever, but for a few years there, it was like steady work in American money, and um, they treated me really well, and we you know, built some good relationships with some of the people there. Yeah. That's awesome. If you were to estimate how many papers you've written or, or whatever, how many how many would you guess? I, it's over 100, but that's all I can... I, I lost, I have, you know, those big, huge Rubbermaid bins, like I have a few of them full of magazines that all have my articles Wow! Uh, and they're heavy. I can't pick them up like I mean, two, two people. And then I'm pretty sure they're going to break the, those Rubbermaid things. Um, so if I ever have to move them anywhere, I'm going to have to do something. But I, I now to be fair, a lot of those are duplicates too. So they'd send me two copies. So I would have. But that's still a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'd like to actually organize them sometime and get them, maybe even digitize them so I have all of that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That is that is awesome. Uh, okay, well, on, on that note, Darren, first of all, thank you very, very much for coming on for doing this. That was super interesting. Yeah, we um, got all, we we covered a lot of bizarre topics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we covered some very interesting topics, some controversial topics. So stay yeah. tuned to find out what people think. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like people are typing right now. Like, yeah, How dare you say that? What do you mean? You're just gonna get a bunch of messages uh, of people. You know, I know yeah, that it won't happen. Don't worry. You're, you're good. Uh, I think a lot of people will agree with with the opinions you you've said uh, you've said here today. Uh, but yeah, can you before you let everyone know where they can find you? Can you let everyone know if they are in the Ottawa, I guess, and Kempfield region, or I don't know how far you you do your shows. But how can somebody find you and book a show? And then where can people find you online? Okay, so reptilerainforest.com, that's the best way to find me, the best way to contact me, just email me from there. I am on Facebook um, and on Instagram, so I have both of those. However, if you send me a message there, it may die there because I'm really bad at that part of social media. But yeah, reptilerainforest.com, you can email me. Um, I travel pretty far sometimes for shows. Um, just depends what it what it's for, and if it's if it's worth it for you, uh, for me to travel um, that far. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone, go find those links in the show notes in the description. Darren, once again, thank you very much for coming on and doing oh, this. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. I've done so many of these things for uh, like a podcast or uh, you know shows for music, tons of them, but this is the first time I've done one. For reptiles really that's all awesome. well, i'm honored to be the first i have to yeah, i'm really excited about i was i was thinking about that earlier going man this is so cool i get to talk about reptiles yeah it's it's yeah. always much fun what's better than coming on and just chatting reptiles with someone else Absolutely. Loves reptiles, right yeah that's yeah. awesome but yeah like i said we'll do it again at some point yeah and... do, do show and tell next time i'll bring some up and yeah for sure that yeah that would be awesome that would be awesome yeah. sweet yeah. um everyone once again, show notes. Go, go, give Darren a follow on Instagram, Facebook. Check out his website, and uh, yeah, we will see you on the next one.